Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Look, you told me a few months ago on this program that you thought it was entirely likely that the Taliban would be taking over the country. But President Biden, just last month, quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. He was wrong. Jake, what we've done, what the president has done, is make sure that we were able to adjust to anything happening on the ground. Are you confident in the security of American personnel at the embassy, even uh, as the Taliban encircle Kabul? Uh, that is job one uh, for me, uh, John. We're uh, working uh, to make sure that uh, our uh, personnel are safe and secure. Uh, we're relocating um, uh, the men and women of our embassy uh, to a location at the airport. Virtually every democracy in the world is dealing with challenges right now, including the United States. We're up against deep inequities, systemic racism. <laughs> well, there you go. And usually it would be funny to know it, but these idiots, these woke, moronic idiots, Blinken, Millie, and um, the Austin, the Secretary of Defense, uh, all of these people have put us in a position here where they have been blinded by ideology that's more about social change than existential things happening on the ground in Afghanistan. And unfortunately, unfortunately, right now as we speak, for us it's Sunday afternoon, uh, the, the, the situation's falling apart in Afghanistan. We were told that for the, just some days ago, that even though the, the Taliban was racing across Afghanistan, that it'll be 30, 60, 90 days, 60 days, we'll see, we'll see. And that was even, it wasn't even supposed to be that. We were, that was the, like, leaked information that it was shocking right. it was that the country could fall within 30 to right. 90 days. Well, the country fell today. So <laughs> the, the president of Afghanistan, wherever he is, he took a cab to a plane and got Probably out of town. Tajikistan or something The like uh, U.S. Embassy has been taken over. The Taliban flag is now, the United Emirates of Taliban flag is up there. And the U.S., you've got Americans trapped in... in um, Kabul. Kabul, thank you. And there are Americans at the airport. The flights have stopped in from, stopped from the airport. Evacuation flights are going out from the airport. The airport apparently is getting rocketed as well. Mm-hmm. You could see there was a whole bunch of emb- smoke near the embassy, which was earlier, which is customary embassy... Thing to do in war when you're ev- evacuating because you're mm-hmm. burning all documents, but um, it, it is a disaster is unfolding in Afghanistan, and, and my I unfortunately I hate to say it, but I'm not I'm I, there's no joy in this administration. See, aha, uh-huh, they're morons and they're incompetence and they're ideologues and out of touch, etc. Because they are, and that's fine, and they're mm-hmm. stupid and whatever, etc. That's fine, but. This sucks. What's happening now? What this stinks? Because not only at uh, my worry, three days ago, was that we were abandoning interpreters. Right. My worry now is that we've left behind Americans. 
Mm-hmm. And we, what could unfold, Alice, the nightmare situation, we could be watching Americans be savaged on video very shortly. Right, in a matter and, of hours, potentially. Yes, and it could be in the tens, could be in the hundreds, could mm-hmm. be even more. Who knows? Who knows how the military is doing? And as of right now, Sunday afternoon, the president still hasn't spoken publicly about what's going on. They released a statement earlier saying that, you know, this was Trump's fault because this was his deal to end the war in Afghanistan and that they had to stick with it. And uh, Right. All you've got today is you get the Secretary of State Mm -hmm. out there telling people, um, you know, that things are going to be... That, we, that this was as intention, that this was essentially mm-hmm. a victory. He said, you have to put it all in context, he actually said. All in context. So this is the Secretary of State. The embassy has been overrun. Okay? Right. So we, there's no cleanup time on in the morning shows. We are so clueless as to what these guys are doing that it's rem- miraculous, it's remarkable, mm-hmm. that they couldn't get the messaging to Blinken in time for him to go lie on Jake Tapper to realize that while he's talking, we're flying out of the embassies and burning uh, documents – it is crazy. Right. And so now the White House account just tweeted about a half an hour ago, around 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, this morning, the president and vice president met with their national security team and senior officials to hear updates on the drawdown of our civilian personnel in Afghanistan. The drawdown, honey. That's what's happening in Kabul right now. Drawdown. It's a drawdown of our personnel. Uh, evacuations of SIV applicants and other Afghan allies and the ongoing security situation in Kabul. The drawdown, and it, of course... The, and I, there's a picture of Biden sitting by himself at Camp David looking very thoughtful at the screen. And this is a picture because they have, like, the clocks up above the screen in mm-hmm. the Camp David room. It's uh, from 11.30 this morning. So nothing, no proof of life on the president since 11.30 right. this morning, basically, is what they're telling us. Right, during the drawdown, or as the, the press... Drawdown. Or, or as the press has been calling it, because one of these Taliban leaders called it, uh, which was tongue-in-cheek, the peaceful transfer of power. Mm. Another thing that's been mainstream because the Taliban said it, and and so so whenever if you whenever all right, those of you who have been How's listening your poison to ivy? me, it's it's <laughs> it's uh, it's not experiencing a drawdown right now. As a matter of fact, okay. uh, since I've been covering, uh, since I've been on radio, I've been familiar with Michael Yan when he was a young correspondent mm-hmm. in um, in Iraq. In 2004, and uh, me and the, a, a show called the Pundit Review Show had him on, and he would have to get on a satellite phone, etc. He would always embed with American troops and follow these guys all around, and he was in firefights, and he was the best guy on the ground to talk to. And then he went to Afghanistan. He spent years there. We did, he was in Indochina. And guys, he like never went home. He just he goes and follows wars, and he's the best of the best. This guy is fantastic. Right now, he's in uh, Panama covering some Western Hemisphere chaos, and he'll tell us all about that. But we got a hold of Michael Yan today in between him getting messages, uh, desperate messages from trapped Americans in Kabul, and he gave us a few minutes of the time. This guy is the best of this. I'm telling you, um, this is well worth the listen. It's a little shocking at times, but certainly insightful. This is Michael Yan. All right, we are thrilled to talk to, uh, this is the guy you wanted to talk to at a time like now, he is, I would say, probably the best war uh, correspondent of this century so far. He's been covering certainly the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and all over, all over the world. Never seems to stop. He is Michael Yon. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm in Panama right now. In fact, I just got in from the Darien Gap out in the jungle. Uh, and, uh, and before that, Lithuania last week and Morocco and in Greece, all these border issues with people flooding across borders. And so obviously I'm very interested in Afghanistan. As you know, I've been uh, concerned about this for many years. I left in 2011 actually from Afghanistan when I realized it was going to go this direction and uh, it wasn't worth risking my life for anymore. And so that's when I finally punched out and focused on other conflicts such as Thailand and and, and, uh, elsewhere. But right now, uh, with what's happening in Afghanistan, it was exactly as I've been publishing since 2006. So it's actually not surprising at all. Always the details are surprising because you never know what the details are going to be. But the end state was pretty clear because our pol- it was a policy issue. You know, we, we defeated the Taliban in the beginning. 
And it was a very quick defeat with special operations, Air Force, CIA, uh, Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, the whole party came together and we really kicked them down the street. And then later we went in with this nation building idea, which is a complete disaster. You know, I've spent more than half of my life downrange outside of the United States, not half of my adult life, but more than half of my life. I grew up in Florida, lived all over the United States, but but I've also spent many years in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and India and Nepal and just long list, right? And so I, I realized instantly, it, you know, going into Afghanistan, it's one of the most primitive uh, places in the world. I like Afghans, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I communicate. I'm helping a family right now, actually. Uh, and uh, in fact, some American citizens are trapped in Kabul right now that I'm helping. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, but th- at the same time, we're not going to be able to turn Afghanistan around suddenly. It's not. It, right. It's a hundred-year project minimum. People that come in like Gerald McCaffrey would go, oh, it's going to take 15 years. And I, I, was, I had a couple of lunches, private lunches, just just Barry McCaffrey and I over in Virginia or Washington or wherever it was. It was a long time ago. And he said, you know, it's going to take 15 years, Michael. And I was like, mm, I think it's going to take like a century <laughs> because it, 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 we're not 15 years is not going to work. And keep right. in mind, we were talking about this back in 2007 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was you know, it was just obvious. I mean, like, for instance, Nepal, where I spent a year. Nepal is, let's say, 60 to 70 years ahead of Afghanistan. It's still one of the poorest countries in the world. And I compare Nepal to Afghanistan. First, I've been in Nepal for a year and Afghanistan for two years. But their problem sets are quite similar. 80% of the people live outside of a few main cities. Almost everybody is illiterate. And well, not in Nepal anymore. Many people are literate in Nepal now. And many people in Nepal actually speak English or some other access language. But in Afghanistan, this is the way it was. Nepal opened up in the 1950s, right? Mm -hmm. So Nepal opened up in the 50s, and it's still one of the most backwards countries in the world. But it's 60 or 70 years ahead of Afghanistan, right? And Afghanistan has got the same problem set. Almost everybody is illiterate. The people who are literate are not highly literate, and they tend to be literate in languages like Pashto or mm-hmm. Tajik or Uzbek, Hazar. They're not language, they're not, they're not literate in language access languages like English or French or German, Russian, Chinese. They're not, ac- you know, they don't speak access language. So they're just out there on their own planet, basically. And, uh, and, and literally these villages where 80% of them live, most of them have no paved roads. They don't have bridges. There's rivers everywhere, as you know, and, you know, it, when you when you come up to a river and there's a, you know, a, a village on the other side of the river, 200 yards away, it might as well be 50 miles away. It might as well be on a different <laughs> planet because you can't you can't you know, it, it's only a few hundred yards away. But in reality, it can take days to get there, going down or up the river to go across somewhere. Right. And so these these. You know, these things that we take for granted, like when I grew up in the United States, I grew up in a place called Winter Haven, Florida. We have it's called the city of 100 lakes because we have about 100 lakes and we've got all these little bridges all over the place. Right (laughs) now, if I didn't grow, you know, I grew up in Florida when the bridges were already built. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just took them for granted. But when I go back to Winter Haven after I've been to all these countries around the world, I appreciate those little bridges. (laughs) I realize somebody... (laughs) Somebody built those things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the only reason that we're not a bunch of little villages is because somebody built bridges. Well, Michael, Little bridges, tiny, you tiny were, little bridges. You remind me of a friend. <laughs> Alice went to school with a guy who served in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, one of the things he said that I found poignant was is that all the villagers who he met had never heard of Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Because Afghanistan is our conception. <laughs> you know, and a lot of them thought that we were Russians. I get that all the time. I get that all the time. And in you know, as far as I would go out to little villages, and I, you know, I spent two years. I, one of the years I was out rolling around alone without the British or Americans or Lithuanians. I was out just on my own, and I would go into villages, and kids would know how to moonwalk, right? Like <laughs> Michael Jackson, right? And we're talking about a village that's like fifty miles from the nearest electricity, right? And huh. and. And they would moonwalk. And at one point after Michael Jackson died, I was out in a little village and I said, you know, 
Michael Jackson has died. And I said that through my interpreter in the, in the, in the, in the Pashtun uh, tribal leaders, like, yes, we have heard that the Michael has died. Please tell your people that we we cry a million uh, Pashtun (laughs) tears for the Michael. We shall miss the Michael. I'm like, how in the world? I was just kind of joking around. How do they know about Michael Jackson? But they don't know that we're not Russians. You know what I mean? It's, right. like, you know what I mean? it's, so, a, it's, it's that kind of so weird it, thing, you know? You describe it perfectly, and it's, it's fruitless to try to build a nation. It hasn't happened, well, ever, really. So, But here's the thing. So these people suddenly, over the last week, we were told we'd have 30 to 90 days. Over the last week, they've moved. They've, t- they've taken over every province. They've taken over every big city. Now they're handed the capital. The, the president t- took a jet out of there today. And now they're they're coming in. We're begging them not to come into the airport. Give us a second, Mercedes. Give us a second. First of all, are these guys these guys aren't going to stop. And what happens when they tear into the capital city? And right now, I'm looking at a photo that just came in from the airport. Literally, it came in ten minutes ago. It says ten minutes. And you see, there's. And actually, I had a friend who just flew over uh, this morning. He just landed in uh, India, and he said that you know when he was flying over. Uh, they, there's traffic down there orbiting around in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. not able to land. And, and some aircraft, like one, you could find it on Flight Radar 24, by the way. Go go to flight, and you'll see like aircraft that return to mm-hmm. Dubai and that sort of thing without landing. The airport's unsafe. And uh, I mean, I'm looking at a photo right now. Right. The airport's the unsafe, but that's it. where all of the troops are. Isn't that where? But, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So from what I've read, too, now the airport's in the middle of the city, like in the middle of neighborhoods, and there are all kinds of people rushing there to try and get out. I mean, not just Americans, but um, all kinds of people that worked with Americans. And I mean, I'm hearing estimates of tens of thousands, maybe 20,000 people that we ought to have a responsibility to get out of the country that we're not going to be able to now. No, we we closed down. You're exactly right, because we we closed down our our military capacity in advance. For instance, when we closed down Bagram, that's an airfield that could have supported this airfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now this is the only airfield we've got going. I mean, there's, this is it. I mean, this is literally a run for the border, like literally like Vietnam and wow. what comes next. Well, uh, one of the things you got to keep in mind that the Afghan or let's say Pashtun in this case, um, most of, most of the Taliban are Pashtun, but some are Tajiks and others, but, uh, but, but, and, and, and their cultural habit for war. Keep in mind, I study war all over the world. War, mm-hmm. Cultures have war habits, just like cultures have eating habits, right? And one of the cultural habits for war with Pashtuns is they will pursue a fleeing enemy. If the enemy flees, they will pursue that enemy like a like a like a like a border collie mm-hmm. goes after you know you know you ever run near a border collie just mm-hmm. stop. You know what I mean? And, uh, but as soon as you run from Pashtun, they're going to chase you. That's what they always do. They've done it for centuries. They did it to the British many times. They did it to Genghis Khan. They did it to, uh, they did it to um, uh, the Russians, of course. That's just what they do. So right now, we're running. They see it. They're going to pursue. It's a, it's a war reflex. They can negotiate all they want. But it's like trying to stop a border collie from chasing something that runs. It's gonna go for it. It yeah. always does. This morning, some one of the guy, one of the leaders of the of the Taliban, told the BBC that we're gonna have a peaceful transfer of power. Everybody can stay put. Seconds later, they had ordered people to maraud into the city. I mean, just even from even describing on your Twitter feed how they treat prisoners routinely, these animals are gonna start killing people on video and torturing people. I mean, I'm thinking a nightmare scenario. Am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. That's what they're already doing in Farah. For instance, Farah City, which is the capital of Farah province, which I've been there many times. Farah, they're, they're beheading people now. In fact, just earlier this week, they told people to come in. I don't think what I'm telling you is in the news, actually. It came from a friend that was just out in Farah. They, they told people to come in. The Afghans who were working for the government before will give you ID cards. Everything's fine. You just surrender. Say you did, you know. And and everything's fine. We're brothers, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh-huh. And then they 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 liter- literally gave them I- IDs and then went to their homes at night and started beheading people. So I mean, that's this week. That's right now. This is ongoing. This is how they roll. They they now there's other cultural habits. 
that you'll find in various groups in Afghanistan, especially Pashtun, is they will surrender in mass. Now, keep in mind the ANA, the Afghan National Army, is mm-hmm. mostly not Pashtun, right? Almost all of the Taliban is not almost all, but the vast majority of Taliban is Pashtun, right? But in the Afghan National Army, the vast majority are not Pashtun, right? But Afghans as a group, you know, Afghans, whether it's Hazars or whatever, mm-hmm. they will tend to um, surrender in mass and flip sides. This is a normal thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. So reports that I saw this morning, I don't know if they're online. I don't know if they've been reported in the media, but that the Afghan National Army, uh, big groups have surrendered in mass. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. But that is a cultural habit, just as much as the border collie chases things that run. Uh, they they do surrender in mass, and they do tend to just flop sides. Like one minute we're fighting you, and you won. Okay, we're on your side now. You know <laughs> that's that's how they roll. Yeah. So if you are telling us all this, and you say you saw this, you know, back in two thousand seven, two thousand eleven, all the a long time ago, six. Yeah, uh, and six. Yeah. In 2006, you were, said you were seeing these signs that this was the way this was ultimately going to end, you know, details TBD. So how did our generals and everybody screw this up so badly? I mean, if people have been saying this nation building project wasn't going to work out for this long, Americans were losing interest in, you know, working on this project on both sides of the aisle. Trump and Biden are pointing fingers. You know, where did this go wrong? Was this outcome inevitable to end like this or is this? the worst of all possible ways it could end? Uh, I would say this is one of the worst of all possible. Um, in 2006, I actually, I'd been in Iraq since late 2004. Mm-hmm. I decided to take a break from that heavy combat and went over to Afghanistan to see a war that I thought that we won because that's what all the reports were saying. And so I ran around there for a while alone without uh, military forces and interviewed just tons of people, including British and American military, but mostly Afghans and contractors and that sort of thing. And uh, and I came to the very quick quick realization that we were losing that war. And I wrote twelve, published twelve major dispatches in two thousand and six, which you can find online, uh, saying that this is really going poorly in Afghanistan. And that those were met with real sharp rebuke. Actually, hmm. uh, I then went back to Iraq. And, uh, and then in 2007, reported that we were turning that war around, which we did, which was also met with sharp rebuke. But then we did turn the war around, actually, and then we left early there as well. That was not Obama's fault, strictly by leaving Iraq anyway. That, that was multiple layers of, of screw up there, including the Iraqis. But the, uh, but the bottom line is um, we fought the same war over and over. Uh, you know, in that beginning war, in the very beginning, when we had special operations forces and just a few elements going there and really spanked the Taliban, we can hurt them badly without much for without much boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. We can do we can do severe damage to them right now without much boots on the ground. I mean, we can spank them hard and, and there's not a lot they can do about it when we're coming at them with cruise missiles and from the air and that sort of thing. Drones. Uh, I mean, we can make them hurt. So, but we, we, we got to be, be willing to do it and we've got to be willing to fight them in a way that they recognize. For instance, they're, uh, you know, they're going to be back in their villages. We have to be willing to bomb them in their villages. If you don't want to be uh, bombed, then you, if you don't want your village to be bombed, Taliban, don't go back to your own village. But I mean, but the bottom line is we don't have. We don't have the will to do that, or some of us do, but others don't. The Taliban do. The Taliban have the will to do it. We fought, You hear these generals constantly saying we're turning the corner, right? Mm-hmm. We're always turning a corner when we're going in circles. If you're going in circles, you're turning the corner every step you take, right? And we were doing the same, turning the same. Every, every new leadership that came in in Afghanistan would say, we're turning the corner. You can go back and just see how many times people – People say we're turning the corner and it would, they would just come in and they would say, oh, the last general, the last units, they didn't know what they're doing. Here we are. We know what we're doing. We're smarter. And then they would do the same stuff because I would be with that unit that left and the unit that came and the unit that came next. Huh. Right. Mm-hmm. And they would all say, oh, that unit didn't know what they were doing and watch us be heroes. Right. And then they would do the same stuff. And so uh, or they might have a, a little different, but at the bottom line, um, in aggregate, this is what we got. 
This is what I predicted in writing hundreds of times and probably a thousand interviews online or online, Fox, wherever. You know, I've been telling people for years that this is what we're going to end up with. And here we go. So but how could Biden have been listening to generals who were telling him this was going to be some orderly withdrawal where we'd be able to keep people safe and they would be the Afghan National Army is well equipped and well trained and things were going to go. I mean, like, who was telling him this? Who believed that? Well, he may have got it from White Rage Millie. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. General White Rage Millie. Uh, I mean, he's an idiot. The guy's a complete idiot. I mean, Gerald Petraeus told me several times this week, he told me over the last several months, it's going to collapse. It's going to go crazy. And, and it has. I mean, of course, he's retired now. But I mean, and I knew it, too. I mean, I got sources on the ground. Mm-hmm. I was all over Afghanistan. And it was very obvious what was going to happen. The details, obviously, are not obvious. I mean, you can not predict the details. But the general form that it would be the Taliban would inherit in uh, Afghanistan, the area you know known as Afghanistan, uh, basically, Afghanistan is an area that's not something else. Afghanistan is mm. not Pakistan. Afghanistan is not Iran or Tajikistan, Uzbekistan or, or Turkmenistan, right? It's not, it's not China that has that little border out there. So it's that area that's not something else. It's a lot of, it's a lot of groups that wish to have their own Pashtunistan. The Pashtuns want Pashtun, the Baluchs yep. want Baluchistan, Hazars want Hazaristan. You know, it's the same same story. So, so what happens? So tonight, when when in a few hours, let's say hypothetically, if they rush into to uh, Kabul and and take, of course, take everybody prisoners, they'll own everybody, but have a whole bunch of American prisoners. Are they canny enough to you know try to shake Americans down for money, or will they go in and just slaughter people? Is it a mob mentality? Is there a leadership structure in the Taliban? Are these just just monsters? Um, I mean, they have leaders, but they're, they're very cellular. I mean, they're very, they have tribal structures, then they have local structures, they have ethnic structures. I mean, so they have, it's a layered cake, right? Mm. It's not, it's not easy to understand. It's not easy to understand even for analysts to, but the bottom line is the basic structures are, will tend to be local, right? And so, but right now everybody's rushing for Kabul. You know, it's, it's, it's the big uh, Mardi Gras death basically is unfolding is what it comes down to. And, um, you know, one of my friends, uh, Afghan, his family just rushed in uh, from Herat, said they were, there was bodies all over the road, burned out vehicles, that sort of thing. Uh, that was coming in from Herat. That's on the Iran side. And now there are American citizens that I know of, that I personally know of, who are in Kabul and they're trapped because the American embassy, from what I'm told, uh, some hours ago, the American citizens are gone from the American embassy, if yeah. that report is accurate. And that source has been very accurate over time. So let's see if, I mean, the, but the bottom line is there's tons of Americans still there and uh, the support elements. It's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, that's, oh. I don't see any way around it. And uh, unless, unless the United States is willing to come in and really put pain, if, if I were in charge, I would, I would, uh, I would go weapons free on on Taliban. I would say, listen, you're going to lay off Kabul or we're going to start flattening your villages where you're from. We know where they're at. We're going to start dropping fuel air bombs on your villages. Right. I mean, seriously, you want to play big boy rules. We're going to you can take it up in The Hague. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the bottom line (laughs) is they're going to do a mass slaughter in 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 Kabul. And um, and they they're not going to face any consequences because we're afraid to go like Dracula on them. Right. Mm. And the, the fact is, we have created Geneva conventions that suit an enemy like this. They can run around us because culturally we won't fight them on their cultural level. We won't fight them at the root. The root is their village and their whole structural level back there. As long as they know that we have to get them alone away from children, they'll just always carry children with them. That's what they do. Mm. I've seen it myself many, many times. There'll be, it's, it's just, unbel- so, so like right now, when I'm down in the Darien Gap, I just got out of the jungle. Uh, they're, they're carrying huge numbers of children down here in Panama through the Columbia because they know that as soon as they show up with children at the United States border in Mexico, that they're going to get right in. So they're just using children as bait. They're using children as, as shields. It's unbelievable. It's sickening savagery. Wow. But that's what we're faced with. War, you got to keep in mind, war is per se savage there's no way around it there's no pretty way to do war 
There's no nice way to do war. There's no legal way to do war except in your mind, right? Uh, and right now, the Taliban, uh, well, at this point, they're going to inherit Afghanistan. The only thing that we can stop them doing at this point is from doing a mass slaughter at the airport and in Kabul of our people. How are right. we going to do that? I would go full Dracula on them. Like right. I said, I would be out there with B-52s and everything else. It's like, you can come to Kabul, but I would fire you. I would go back to your village. Because if you're in Kabul, we're going to flatten your village. God, right? I, I hope they're listening um, you to know, somebody like you. Bottom line. I hope they're listening to you and not Mark I mean, Milley, who's worried about uh, equities uh, over there. Yeah, Mark Milley's out doing – Mark Milley's stomping around doing his white rage. You know, he's an idiot. I mean, this is the kind of leadership we've got. Austin, Secretary of Defense, he's another idiot. He was never a bright general. He's not a bright Secretary of Defense. You know, they're just racist out thinking about racism stuff while we've got a big war in our hands. I mean, it's unbelievable. Michael, uh, you you're know, talking out to of the people more than said- 80 countries I've been to. So you're talking to What's people. Um, you said you're talking to people in Kabul today. Today, Americans trapped. What are you advising them to do? Right now, right now. Let me see. Uh, let me see what's coming in right now. Since we've been talking, uh, got. Oh, let's see here. Uh, nothing's ha- nothing's come in since we've been talking. But uh, that's, that's making a run for the. Uh, yeah, people are making a run for the airport. Uh, and uh, people, uh, flights are, you know, having difficulty getting in and getting out. Uh, uh-oh, my alarm is going off that. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, are you there? Yeah, we're there. Yeah, Alice, yeah. Alice, you can give, we get, Michael's going to wrap up anyway. So you give him yeah. your last question. Yeah. Um, no, I just, you know, what, um, what is the Taliban thinking here in terms of like what the Biden administration is doing? Biden hasn't appeared yet today. You know, it's now early afternoon in the U.S. We haven't seen Biden. He just gave his statement, I guess, last night or this morning about how, you know, this was actually Trump's fault because it was his deal. And they've been issuing some strongly worded tweets about how, you know, the Taliban, we're going to work better with you in the future if you don't commit war crimes now. I mean, like, is, are they just laughing at He's us right idiot. now? He's an idiot. They know the United States word means nothing to them. Zero. Their word, our word means as much to them as theirs to us. It's, it's two uh, groups that are negotiating. The, the, the Taliban aren't negotiating with us. They do talk, 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 fight, 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 just like the communists do. They, they'll say, hey, yeah, we're going to pretend uh, that we're negotiating. And if that buys us five minutes, that's fine. If it buys us five hours, that's even better. I mean, the Taliban... If they see an opening, they're going to take it, period. If they, you know, uh, you know, I know that we were sending more Marines and some artillery in yesterday or so. But, you know, the fact is, I've been at that airport when it gets rocketed. When we had far more forces and far more ability to to fight back, we were getting rocketed there all the time. Hmm. They're going to start rocketing the hell out of that place. Hmm. I know exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be a bloodbath. There's, and, and, and Biden, he doesn't even know what, what he, what's going on. It, the guy's lost his mind. Let's, <laughs> let's just talk about it like the, the way it really is. Yeah. The guy is gone. And, yeah. and Kamala Harris is an idiot. Uh, Austin, uh, the Secretary of Defense, he's all running around talking about racism and, 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 and CRT and all these things. And, uh, and, and Miley is incompetent. We've got an entire upper chain of command that is incompetent. Uh, you know, it's, it's time to pull in. Listen, I was just all over the United States, Atlanta, Washington. I was at Washington, D.C. I was there at the Capitol attack. I was there for the inauguration. And I was up in, you know, uh, Philadelphia and Portland covering Antifa and BLM. The United States has got problems. We don't have time for this. The problem is the United States has cancer at this point. The problems that we have at home, the border I'm down here in Panama right now covering what's coming to you right now. You're not going to believe what's coming. It's increasing dramatically. We've got bigger things to think about. We've got to get our people out of Afghanistan. We've already screwed that one up. That, that, that house is burning down, period. Mm-hmm. Now we've got to worry about our own house. And, you know, we've got to get our people out of Afghanistan, and we've got to shut our southern border. And this pandemic is a distraction. It's clearly a real pandemic. It's a massive distraction from our own invasion that's happening across our southern border. We got about 20,000 people coming through this month just in Panama. We got more than 200,000 coming across the southern border in the United States. And I assure you that number is increasing. So, I mean, it's, it, the United States has much bigger problems on our plate than Afghanistan. 
We just got to get our people out and we've got to get our house in order. And, and, uh, and we've got a clean house in Washington because we haven't cleaned the swamp and it's just <laughs> destroying our country. All right, Michael. His name is Michael Yon. Follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Yon, Y-O-N. Follow, uh, check out MichaelYon-Online.com. And he's got a locals too. Check out his locals and subscribe to him. And uh, it, he is the best journalist that we have out there. Certainly the best correspondent. And thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Anytime. I'm sorry I was late today. There's oh, a lot please. going on with that. <laughs> thing. Uh, Just a little. <laughs> we'll blame it on the Taliban. I think this one's not on you, Michael. Pre- take care, man. I appreciate can it. See. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there he is. That is Michael Yon. Once again, if you want to follow him, we'll put everything, all that stuff in the show notes. And the fact that he that he says it's going to be a bloodbath to me uh, means to me that it's going to be a bloodbath. He, mm-hmm. He's not a mince words kind of guy. He's a and this is what his value has always been is telling people in a raw manner the facts on the ground. And I I mean, what do we do? What do we do if even by tonight, tomorrow, or a few days into this week, American hostages are being killed on tape? Because the Taliban will say, okay, yeah, we'll take your, uh, you know, $500 million. To- well, I hope we send them a strongly worded letter about war crimes and how... Well, Jen Psaki will, you know, will tell them they're going to lose their place in the international community. Oh. Well, it's the, the thing is, right, they don't care about this. If you've read about the Taliban previously, I've, I've spent unfortunate time reading about what they did at a zoo when they got there to the animals. Mm-hmm. I've, that should be enough to push the left into caring about this. But, well, the women's but, rights thing is an angle. Marianne Williamson was tweeting that she's not normally for um, sticking around in wars, but just because of the women's rights situation, she's concerned about uh, the situation in Afghanistan. So Marianne Williamson is for uh, a stronger presence in Afghanistan, I guess, as she tweeted today. That's great. Um, so we'll, who knows what will happen there? I mean, it could any, any – these guys are uh, – these, these people, these Taliban are animals. They're not to be – you're not to consider them anything but. They're horrific. And so what happens when that happens? What will the administration do? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they just going to – are they just going to continue to blame Donald Trump for making the plan? Which, by the way, this it was also bad when Trump invited the Taliban to Camp David to talk to them, too. Yes. That was also stupid. Absolutely. These people are monsters. These are not human beings. The Taliban are not human beings. They are monsters. And they should be treated as, as, as so. Yeah, monsters. but I can tell you, I don't think, I don't think just because of Trump's obsession with how things look and how they reflect on him, I don't think Trump would have allowed this to go down this way. No, especially since it w- even looks if he weak. made the plan, I don't think he would have allowed this to happen in the way that it did. I totally agree because it, it, not only among other things, it looks weak. He doesn't want anything to do that. So let's. Talk about what we were hearing and how we got here a little bit. A long time ago, a time that I'll call Friday, <laughs> John Kirby of the State Department said this. Now, without getting into a battlefield assessment every day, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, but uh, there, uh, Kabul is not uh, right now um, uh, in an imminent threat environment there you go so either he knew it was and lied or didn't know it was and we have no effing idea what's going on Mm -hmm. uh i would say a combination of both probably but i mean i think and we talked to michael yon about this as you heard but i thought his assessment that these people are all just idiots is probably closer to the truth than that they're like in some nefarious scheme i think they're incompetence and i think that they didn't know that this was going to happen like this that's remarkable but also there's part of if you have mark milley michael yon talked about this you have mark milley saying oh you know i want to study white rage that is either one that he's a true believer in this nonsense from a year and a half ago that we've all been ma- making pretend about, or he actually is just – it's just about self-preservation. And you say what you want to the civilian leadership that keeps you uh, preserved mm-hmm. for a bigger gig and then a bigger gig and a bigger gig. And, I mean, maybe that's exactly what we're seeing here that, that has happened. But it is freaking worrisome 
that these people are clues. Blinken, but what's China thinking watching this right now as they think about whether or not to invade Taiwan? <laughs> I mean, they're looking at our uh, military commitments and how well we're dealing with them right now and thinking like, wow, these guys are a bunch of chumps. Like, we'll just go for it. What are they going to do about it if we invade Taiwan? Yeah, th- there's no doubt about that. I think for China and Russia, and, and Russia's not a threat of invasion or, or, or anything, but... Well, for, for other some countries, people, but, for but, some but of our allies, think, they are. How, think how excited you've got to be if you're Iran right now. Mm-hmm. First of all, you've got escaping uh, Afghan soldiers running with our equipment into Iran. All of that stuff yeah. not belongs to Iran. This happened in during the Iraq War as well. All mm-hmm. the stuff belongs to Iran. They've got to be thrilled. Not only that, but this gives Iran another chance, an opportunity to make trouble. And there's going to be another opportunity for either alliances or to um, to um, you know triangulate in order to push around other foes in the area. And these Iranians, these fundamentals are, are there's no nothing there's no limit to what they'll do. We've already been fighting Iran in a war for twenty years. This is a win for everybody else, a win for everybody else. And this is and I understand that most a lot of you. Who said, you know, you don't want forever wars and et cetera, et cetera. This wasn't really a forever war last year at this time. It well, was, but it, I've heard experts point out, too, that that the reason it was as low-key as it was over the last year or so was because of the Trump's agreement to do an impending drawdown. That it wasn't going to... If we had stayed, it wouldn't have stayed that low cost in terms of lives and blood and treasure you know that that it was going to it was keeping this as stable as it was was going to require more than the 2500 troops that we had there you know was it it's been pretty good for a few years Allison. i think it predates last year mm. i mean i don't know i'm just repeating what i've seen other people I, I, say about know, it like that Michael this Young was not said. we were going to have to either at some point here escalate or come out and it's just not clear to me that this was the process by which we had to leave the country well yeah the process was screwed up completely but i also i'm sorry i'm into the educating some people how to be western and we've westernized some folks and we made a promise you heard michael yon say it there this was a hundred year project you know this was not this isn't us occupying germany that you know had had cities and stuff before we got there in a whole I understand, world but there, there are some folks who were a part of the university, which was partly funded by Stanford, which was run by a couple of mm-hmm. uh, international units as well, which was going quite well until, of course, it was blown up uh, by the Taliban, but which was which was making a comeback anyway. Um, and I understand that's nation building and fine. Maybe the idea, the better idea, would have been to just extract them over, bring them over here, and and whatever. And I, I and I agree, but there's a wrong way to do this, and this is absolutely the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So now you've done this where you've retreated too early when the Taliban's on the move during fighting season. So they're able to capitalize on that. They're already in motion, take a storm through the country. And now we're stuck not having enough support to extract our people over. So now we've added thousands more. And now who knows what condition they're in? Right. And who knows what we're willing to do? I don't know. So it's not going to be clear. I mean, and... This could be outdated by the time we post it. I don't know. But, you know, the U.S. is going to have to make some decisions here about what we do about the remaining people that are there. If we just sit here and watch them get executed. The or Taliban are such monsters, Alice. I would love I would love my my dream is this. Biden. Um, I was sent a Microsoft access code. Do you know what that would have been? Um, No, I don't. It wasn't me. My dream is this. Is it is that we're reading, although it's too late now, it could have been done a couple of, a little while ago, is that um, the Taliban are such awful people, mm-hmm. is that I would like them just to be all be dead. It'd be wonderful. And then somebody could say to oh, the Biden's got blood in his hands, he killed 180,000 Taliban. And yes, I know. Well, yeah, I'd rather be having the debates like we have the debates now about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Was it the right thing? Was it and not be having, you know, continuing to be in a drawn out war in Japan in the Pacific theater for years and years and years after that, you know, like it would be at least that ended it. Right. Of course. 
that was the the ultimate like sorry that's done actually we're pretty close to the anniversary of that too right now that was right around this time of year also but that was that was the end of it that was the end yes, of world war ii and you know people love to sit around and debate was it worth it and how terrible those bombs were and the whole thing and how we experimented on other people etc cetera, etc cetera. we also pretty viciously bombed some german cities too i would say oh yeah killed but, more than hiroshima but um but that's a debate that we now have the luxury to have because we did that and we weren't drawn into a war for years and years afterwards now we've been in afghanistan for 20 years and still nobody has bothered to put an end to the war in a way that actually makes sense right Right. No, in that, in that was a different situation, even though after December, September 11th, 2001, mm-hmm. I was all for just nuking any country in the Middle East. And well, probably- yeah, but I think there's a difference between the way and when we saw Trump in office handle military conflicts, he very much had this philosophy of like, shoot the big missiles at the bad guys, like don't make Americans go fight them and die over mm-hmm. this. But, you know, if they're going to do something that that we don't like, then we're going to shoot a bunch of missiles at them and uh, make them pay for it and then go away. But make sure that they know that they're going to be in a world of hurt if they mess with us, which the Taliban knows now they're not going to be. Right. And this is here's uh, Jake Tapper taking it to Secretary Blinken saying, saying, hey, uh, does your word mean anything? Look, you told me a few months ago on this program that you thought it was entirely likely that the Taliban would be taking over the country. But President Biden, just last month, quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. He was wrong. Jake, what we've done, what the president has done, is make sure that we were able to adjust to anything happening on the ground. Uh, And the fact that that he said... This ain't good when he's making zero admission, but instead, instead suggesting that they did the right thing and they're on top of this. That's not good. That tells you that either the reality is distorted for those folks or the communications staff runs the administration or -hmm. somebody insane. The fact that the White House is tweeting that we're President Biden's being briefed on the drawdown of civilian personnel. The drawdown of civilian personnel is people flee to the airport under fire from the Taliban. Are you kidding me? We're stuck. Additional forces in. We had those forces at the ready, fully prepared to go in the event. Uh, that this moved in a direction where we needed forces in place to ensure that our personnel was safe and secure, uh, to ensure also that we could do everything possible to bring out of Afghanistan those Afghans most at risk. That's exactly what we're doing. Why didn't you uh, have the troops in there and then let that happen first before taking them out? Again, I come back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is that that status quo I, was not sustainable. How bureau speak is that? You don't have that to sustain it forever. Quo, no, but just listen to the words. That status quo was not sustainable. That's bureaucratic speak. That's wishy-washy horse that only bureaucrats mm-hmm. use. Yeah, but I mean, I I also disagree with the premise the status quo is not sustainable. I mean, that's essentially what I said a few minutes ago, too, is that like we weren't going to be able to maintain this low presence forever without doing going in one direction or the other. But the point is, they've known about the fact that they were planning to leave the country for a while now. The time to get all the interpreters out and the SIVs and the other people that we need to work with. There's a lot of, there's some kind of special thing they're doing for journalists who worked with Western outlets trying to get them to come, but there's a lot of paperwork involved. The time to do this was before we took all the troops out. Right. I mean, that seems obvious. Jake Tapper is not like a military strategist. I'm not a military strategist. And not, like, I know that much that you know, yes, the time to do this is before one, either the Taliban can come in and kill them all or two, the Taliban can, Taliban can come in and take them all and then ransom them back to us. Which, of mm-hmm. course, this administration would gladly pay. Well, I was seeing some totally unsubstantiated, so take it with a grain of salt, rumors on Twitter that, um, that, the United States has in some form been promising the Taliban um, money to hold off so that we could get people out to give us more time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like it or not, uh, there was an agreement that the forces would come out on May 1st had they not... Had- in other words, it's Trump's fault. There was an agreement. Mm-hmm. Did the Taliban yeah, stand agreement. by that agreement? No. No. The so we didn't agreement. have to either. And not like Biden didn't tear up every other thing Trump ever yes, did. Yes, there was so. a Keystone Pipeline agreement, <laughs> I remember as well. Had we not begun that process, which is what the president did, 
uh, and the Taliban saw, then we would have been back at war with the Taliban. So we did a good job, he's saying. Yay! Remarkable how dangerous these guys are. Here's the same idiot uh, I mean, talking yeah, July, on July Taliban- 4th. I don't think that uh, the fact that our forces are, are withdrawing, one, we're not withdrawing. We're staying. Uh, the embassy is staying. Mm-hmm. Our programs are staying. We're working to make sure that other partners stay. We're building all of that up. And uh, whatever happens in Afghanistan, if there is a significant deterioration uh, in security, um, that could well happen. We've discussed this uh, before. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that happens from a Friday to a Monday. <laughs> no, just Friday to Sunday. Right. <laughs> um, no, it's incredible. And the the contention that, like, if we take the troops out, we're no longer at war with the Taliban is just so astonishing to me. Like, you're going to leave the civil- civilian population, the Americans and the Afghanis who worked that, who Afghans who worked with us, um, and you're just going to leave them there where the Taliban can kill them. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, the people with the guns are going to walk away and fly back to America. And then you're going to say, see, we're no longer at war with the Taliban. Well, guess what? <laughs> a war is based on two people wanting to kill each other. And the <laughs> Taliban is still at war with us. So you can't leave the civilian population there that that is vulnerable to this and just walk away from them. You have to get out the people who want to leave first, you know? Thank you so much, everybody. People who are Patreon subscribers can join us on the other side for an additional little segment on Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash burn barrel. We're also on Twitter at burn barrel pod. You can follow at Tom Shannock at Alice Shattuck. You can also follow our guest today at underscore at sorry at Michael underscore yawn uh, that reporter that we spoke to about the situation in Afghanistan. But um, thank you so much, everybody, and have a great week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.